This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And today we wanted to talk a bit about autonomous cars, those robo-cars of the future that are going to take us everywhere we want to go. No problem whatsoever. They're never going to melt down. They're never going to turn on us. They're never going to start running down Sarah Connor. Yeah, Joe, you seem to... Well, should we explain a little bit what autonomous cars first? Sure, what, sure. What they are. Okay, an autonomous car, at least the, the general consensus, is that this is a vehicle that has uh, technology that allows the car to navigate and drive through various landscapes without the need for a human being to actually manually control the vehicle. Uh, that's That's kind of the overall definition, I would say, of an autonomous car. So you just hop in, do your crossword puzzle, and then you're at work. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, just like the way most of us drive, as it turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's kind of the idea. And less so, screaming. 
Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Slightly fewer deaths planned. Right, right. It, it's a goal that a lot of different companies are working toward. Uh, Google, of course, famously had uh, their own autonomous car debuting on the roadways of California. Uh, but we've seen other vehicles uh, kind of like, well, other manufacturers follow suit. I mean, Quite Lexus. a few companies have started to make them now, too. Sure, yeah. Lexus has its own uh, mm-hmm. that it's working on. Uh, but there are others as well. And it's kind of interesting to see this development. But uh, we know that there are people out there who have concerns, some of which I would say are uh, very legitimate concerns, some of which might be a little more based on a misunderstanding of the technology. And we went under the kind of talk about those concerns and, and sort of what the, the potential approach is to uh, assuade fears. Okay. Joe, do you, would you like to take on the role? Yeah, my, my angry, uh, confused Luddite Uncle Jed. Okay. Yeah, do it. Is he the one who said he was shooting at some crude? Uh-huh, yeah. I guess they yeah. wouldn't. He was shooting at some food and up from the ground came up. Or oh, yeah. up from the ground came a bubble and food. That would just be gross. Okay, so Jed. Yeah, well, uh, I mean... I don't think Jed likes this idea. Jed does not like the idea of an autonomous car. So no, I mean it. Uh, it, it frightens and confuses him. He uh, has he perhaps seen the movie Maximum Overdrive? Is he upset that's about the this thing in the in the 1980s? He saw the Stephen King directed film Maximum Overdrive, and he's got some concerns he'd like to confront you with before he's really convinced about the safety of this whole autonomous car deal. One of them, I, I'm sure Uncle Jed says, is I can't get my computer to do what I want half the time. It crashes every time I turn it on. You know, I click on something on the Internet and it never works. You know, it, it, everything goes crazy. Right. Is that, that going to happen to my car? That's, and am I going to crash into a telephone pole because I clicked on the wrong website? That's a legitimate fear for someone who has a lot of uh, clicking going on whenever they're on the Internet. Oh, right. Sure. And and part of the thing is, is that obviously you're not going to be visiting perhaps websites of ill repute on your <laughs> car. So therefore, there's slightly less danger of running into the same kinds of problems that you would run into on the Internet. In your car. Well, let's make it a little more general. Just imagine Uncle Jed uh, is is generally concerned that something's going to go wrong with his autonomous car, that it's going to malfunction somehow, okay. and this is going to lead to problem. And I, that's a completely understandable fear. Uh, that's a couple of things that I think can, we can look at. One is that uh, when it comes to a general purpose computer like the kind that most of us have on our desks or that we carry around with a messenger bag or whatever, um, these computers have to do a lot of different things. They have to be able to handle different types of tasks. You're going to be loading on all kinds of software onto these. Sometimes pieces of software will conflict with one another because they were, you know, when they were being designed, it wasn't designed on a machine that was also running, you know, X number of other programs. So, for example, if you have 20 programs on your computer and you're regularly running four of them, uh, it may very well be that any one of those four would be fine on its own, but when you start running them together, they start to compete for resources. Your computer starts to have trouble managing that those resources over time, and then problems happen, right? In your car, your car is a much more specific piece of machinery. It's not a general purpose device. And so the computers aboard cars are very specifically tuned to what they need to do, and they don't do other stuff. And that's, generally speaking, a pretty good thing. It makes them more reliable in the long run because there are fewer things that can interfere with the functioning of that device. So 
the likelihood of a full malfunction the way you would experience on, say, a, a regular computer is much lower in something that's, that has that specific a purpose. Uh, on top of that, I think that uh, we'll, we will have plenty of things that will warn us when something's not going well, and I don't think we're ever going to reach the point where manual control is no longer an option at all. So uh, worst case scenario, you flip the switch from robo to me, and then you take over. But I really think that the likelihood of computer crashes becoming a common thing is not that high. And also, this is something that whenever you take your car in to be serviced, I would imagine that's going to be a routine part of getting your, oh, your car serviced. Go ahead and defrag the, 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 the car's hard drive. Hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And I mean, there are certain things that you will, uh, we would expect to happen. Like, for instance, as improvements come for the software side of the autonomous car, because really autonomous car is kind of like another computer in the sense that you've got the hardware and the software. But as improvements come along, then I would imagine there will be things like firmware updates. This is where uh, a company will send out a a kind of software that's very fundamental to the function of a particular device. You see this all the time in things like phones, uh, gaming consoles, even computers, desktops and laptops can get firmware updates. I would see that happening, but I really don't think that the the common crash that we experience in our, our desktop and laptop lives would be something that's going to plague us in a car setting. And lots of cars already have microcontrollers in them, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, they all do. I mean, it, pretty much every car that's been manufactured over the last couple of decades has had some forms of microcontrollers in them. Some of them have fairly, you know, uh, uh, sophisticated computer systems in them. Sure. Which it's all meant to diagnose problems and to keep track of things, which is one of those things that people complain about, really, because... In order for you to really know what's going on with your car as these get more and more complex, you have to really plug it into a computer, and not everyone has the capability of doing that. Although we're starting to see some things like some cool uh, things coming out for smartphones where you can actually attach it to your smartphone and you plug. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, you have that special proprietary cable. You plug it into your car, and then your smartphone tells you what's wrong. It's a good way of finding out if your mechanic's on the up and up. You yeah, know? yeah, and also not having to waste that, you know, two hours of your life and however many dollars going into a mechanic just to see what's wrong. So so we already have computers and mm-hmm. cars. Uh, it's just going to get more sophisticated. And also the other thing I would answer, although I don't like taking this approach very frequently because it's like saying, hey, I know you're saying the future's bad, but the present's bad, too, because that's, that's kind of a, a lame argument. But cars break down already, right? I mean, stuff goes wrong with cars. Sure. It, physical things in cars can break and wear down and stop working, particularly if you're not taking very good care of your car. But even if you think you are, things can go wrong. And hypothetically, if you have more computers watching that kind of thing, that might help in the long run because you might get to the point where your car can tell you when, oh, this piece is running low, oh, this oil is running low, we need to sure. do something about yeah. this before it breaks. Yeah, for instance, my wife's car lets us know when the tires need to get uh, more air in them. So. Uh, you know, it used to be a few years ago, the way you would notice that is when you walk up to your car in the parking lot and you think, whoa, uh-oh. I guess I can't drive. Yeah, I guess I need to get to the closest gas station and get some air in these tires. So so, so Uncle Jed has another concern, uh, though. Hit me, Uncle Jed. Well, uh, Uncle Jed is also, he's a very sweet man. Okay. And uh, every year he, he buys Aunt uh, Ruth a birthday present. Oh, that's very sweet of him. But... If he's got to get an autonomous car yeah. that's some kind of computer right. and it hooks up to the internet, sure. 
isn't everybody going to see exactly where he goes all the time and know the store he goes to to get Aunt Ruth's birthday present, and they're all going to gab to her, and she's going to know what the present is before she gets it. So autonomous cars spoiling birthdays. So essentially we're talking about a privacy issue. <laughs> yes. I think. You know, if we want to be more more general than that. So, sure. So, yeah. Um I can see where the the concern is there. Now, I think that I think a lot of these systems are going to have to have built into them privacy measures because privacy is is a huge issue for a lot of people and I don't think that's going to go away. In fact, it's going to get more important as we get more involved with computers in our cars. I think that the potential solution for this is to do what Google says it does. Now, I'm assuming that what Google says it does is what Google actually does. I'm not, I don't work for Google. I don't see behind the curtain, so I don't know for sure. But I'm going to take them at their word. Google's approach is to strip all the identifying information off of any particular uh, vehicle when it's tracking things like traffic. So that way, as you drive down the street, your data is going to Google, so it knows how fast you're going. This is assuming you're using a a Google Maps application on your smartphone or GPS device. Mm -hmm. So it knows that there is a vehicle going down a particular road at a particular speed, and then it, it, it extrapolates from that what the traffic conditions must be like on that particular road. I would imagine that most of our systems will have to have a similar thing in place. Now, what will be interesting is to see how that pans out, because I think law enforcement would be say, hey, no, it would be awesome if we could track where everyone was all the time. Oh, right, sure. Uh, I, some of the gossip that I've heard about it is that um, cars eventually are going to have little black boxes the same way that airplanes do. You know, when you get into the car, you don't only use a key to get into the car, you use a personalized key that tells the car that you are the one driving it for liability issues, for insurance, for, for traffic accidents, all, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and so it might have, you know, your own personal information coded in when you when you get into the car and therefore not tell Aunt Ruth where you're going. I could just imagine getting into the car and saying, take me to the last place you were before you came back home. <laughs> wow. OK, I got to rethink my plans for the future of my travel. All right. But anyway, yeah. So so some of these questions we can't answer immediately simply because we're not in that era yet. But I would imagine that as we build out these systems, that's something that we have to take into consideration because it's, it's uncle Jed's not going to be the only guy to be concerned about this. Certainly people, people rightfully are protective of their privacy. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a healthy attitude. Well, uncle Jed's got one real final concern. And this, this maybe ties more into that scary movie even more than the other ones. Um, But not scary movie. Not that scary. <laughs> no, no, no. Maximum Overdrive. No, that's scary movie. The, right. The documentary about the future of uh, right, right, of, exactly. Of, Autonomous of trucks, alien machines. takeover yeah. of right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> soda machines chucking out cans at people. Uh, well, nobody wants that. No. But uh, in the movie, I think it's what is it? Aliens take over our technology. What? What if? Because Uncle Jed's heard about these hackers. Right. Sure. And he he knows that there are these hackers out there. What if the hackers put a virus in his autonomous car? Yeah, um, Uncle Jed, uh, let me let me put your mind at ease. First of all, I think that getting access to a particular vehicle's computer will not be easy. Uh, the physical location of the computer, I would imagine, would be difficult to reach without specific kinds of tools. Uh, on top of that, reaching a car through some sort of wireless means would be somewhat problematic, I would imagine. Uh, in fact, I would be more worried about 
hackers targeting the underlying infrastructure that exists within, say, a city than within an actual car. Uh, targeting a specific car would be very tricky. Uh, right, because these aren't going to be running all by themselves. They're going to be uh, working with an entire internet of of structures that is going to be helping them figure out where to go. Yeah, if nothing else, you'll have mesh networks, which means that you will have a network that is composed of a certain number of vehicles in a certain place at a certain time, and that number is constantly changing as vehicles leave the road or enter the road. And this is a very complex system. It's difficult to even build, much less hack into. But I really think targeting a specific car is is unrealistic, just like targeting a specific computer tends to be unrealistic. And a lot of the problems that we have with hackers getting access to people's computers has to do with things like downloading malware and installing it on your computer, which gives the opportunity for hackers to uh, to mess with you. Or giving someone your password or something like that, or, or not changing the factory default password. Right, right. Now, when you're talking about a car, because of its specificity, because it's meant for a specific range of features... I don't imagine that you will be downloading stuff to your car to uh, increase that. Like, I can't imagine it being something that the user could easily do, where let's say that you think, oh, I want to make my I want my car to go 20 miles per hour faster than what the factory setting allows. So I'm going to download the Speed Demon app. Overclock your engine. Right. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to overclock as opposed to overdrive. I would would download that. that. (laughs) So maximum overclock is what we should call this episode. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the idea I would say is that it's it's such a specific use that I can't imagine that we're going to have the ability to download malware to our cars. So it's only if the source is corrupted, which means that that malware goes out to everybody. And uh, I would and because it would be such a high value target, I, I imagine that there would be a lot of security around those systems. Uh, right. And, you know, there's there's ways that people could screw with your car today without having a fancy computer running everything that it does. You know, someone could come in and cut your brake line. Someone could mess with the traffic system in your in your county and yeah. screw up the traffic lights. Yank the stop signs out of the ground and carry them away. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. There's, there's actually a lot of stuff that people could do to cause mayhem already. It, it, Again, you know, that's not necessarily the best argument. Like, well, don't be scared of the future because the present is terrifying. Yeah, but... that's that's not, not necessarily the way to get Uncle Jed to sleep well at night. But no, it, it is true that, that really there are going to be some challenges in the future. But the nice thing is that by acknowledging the fact that there are challenges and acknowledging the fact that there are potential worries uh, you you can take those into consideration when you're building things out. It's not like this is a system that's hitting us tomorrow and we're all just going to have to adjust to it and then see how it shakes out. We are aware of these things before the systems are in place, which hopefully means that we will be able to take that into consideration when we actually build everything out and make it as safe as possible, which is really the goal when you think about it of autonomous cars. I mean, uh, I've got just a couple of figures here. We've actually seen a dramatic decline in fatalities in the United States due to car accidents over the last few decades. And it's mainly due to improvements in in the way that vehicles are built and the way that uh, laws have required us to do things like wear a seatbelt. But the, the decline has been pretty dramatic. Back in 1972, there were, according to the, the National Traffic Safety Administration, 54,589 fatalities 
1972 due to traffic accidents. In 2011, it was 32,367. So more than, a, more than a 20,000 person drop mm -hmm. in those decades because of these. Now think about that in the terms of every traffic accident uh, and how human error plays a part in that. Again, estimates range, but Usually human error is said to be a factor in about 90%. Yeah. 95 even is Yeah, 85 to 95 are, yeah. are the numbers that I've seen. Yeah, it's it's it ranges again depending on how you define it. Like whether or not it was the sole contributor to an accident or whether it was part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And then the really funny thing is uh, of those 95% who cause traffic accidents with their own human error, 75% of them think they're better than average drivers. Right, yeah. Well, this is the same sort of problem we see with multitaskers, right? There's very good evidence to show that multitasking means that you your capacity to do any one of those multiple tasks goes down, but there's a tiny percentage of people who are actually capable multitaskers. They're called supertaskers. Mm -hmm. And so 2% of the population are supertaskers. The other 98% believe they belong in the 2%. Yeah. Right? And, are, and are lying on their resumes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so same sort of thing. If, you, if you've got around a 90 to 95% uh, of all accidents are caused in part by human error, if you remove human error out of that, that number drops so low. I mean, think about that. That could in affect everything, not just from the fatalities, which would be amazing enough, but... Uh, you wouldn't have to worry so much about, you know, insurance rates could go down because accidents become so rare. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're talking about the fact that you don't need to worry about insuring vehicles uh, as much over time. Uh, whether or not that actually would pan out, I don't know. That's sort of a business side thing, but it could happen. And also, you don't worry about taking your baby out, your, your, your brand new car out, and getting it dinged on its first uh, joyride. Or your actual baby. <laughs> your, I, I would imagine that many people would feel very much safer carrying precious cargo through yep. the streets. Robo baby on board. I think Uncle Jed is about 84%. Okay. Well, the good thing is we have some more time before robo cars become a a thing that everyone is dealing with. So uh, I'll, I'll keep working on Uncle Jed. And uh, in the meantime, for all you listeners out there, if any of you have any suggestions for topics that we should look at, things that are going to be unfolding in the future, whether they're technology-based or otherwise, I recommend you let us know. In fact, go to the Forward Thinking website. That's fwthinking.com. And uh, take a look. See see the blog posts, the podcast, the video series that's up there. And let us know what is it about the future that has you excited. We can't wait to hear from you. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. 
is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.